Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. My name is Jonathan Spicer. I'm from McGill University up in Montreal, Canada. And here we will be talking about whether there is a chemo-free approach for early stage non-small cell lung cancer. First off, why consider a chemo-free approach? Well, chemotherapy comes with its own attendant toxicity. We know from prior trials that grade three, four adverse event rates are occurring in about two thirds of patients and chemo itself is associated with a mortality rate of almost 1%. We know that whether we give chemo before or after, there are adverse events, although some of the data seems to indicate that the tolerability of chemo prior to surgery is better. And in fact, many of our patients, uh, anyone practicing in the area of early stage lung cancer knows that many patients are either ineligible for chemotherapy or will decline it altogether, um, despite the potential survival benefits that it might offer. There are indeed very few data about systemic therapies that do not employ chemotherapy. There are no uh, ongoing phase three registrational trials that explore the possible elimination of chemotherapy from the perioperative regimen for patients who would otherwise be eligible for pre or post-operative chemotherapy in the uh, non-driver mutated resectable non-small cell lung cancer space. And this is because of the proven overall survival benefit of chemotherapy. And so people are very reticent to de-escalate therapy given the existence of this overall survival benefit, even if it is somewhat marginal, especially in the uh, lower ends of the stage ranges. That said, there are many phase two data that indicate promise of the approach. And these are largely uh, utilizing immunotherapy-based regimens. And we'll explore some of those approaches in the next few uh, slides. I think it's very important to note that chemo-free adjuvant immunotherapy does not seem to be an option at this point. We have Empower O1O, which was positive for the DFSM endpoint in the greater than 1% patients. And positive for the overall survival endpoint in the PDL one greater than 50% patients. But what was very interesting to note from the Kino 091 study is that in fact, in patients who did not receive adjuvant chemotherapy, there was really no benefit of adjuvant pembrolizumab. And so this begs the question as to whether there's some synergy between the uh, use of chemotherapy and immunotherapy in the adjuvant space, even if it is in a, a sequential manner. But currently, there's really no evidence to support eliminating the use of chemo in patients who've undergone an upfront resection therapeutic strategy. So as I said, there are no phase three data for chemo-free neoadjuvant therapy approaches, but there are several promising phase two trials. And these include studies where uh, immunotherapy was used as a monotherapy. There are studies looking at combinations of different immuno-oncology treatments and the, also the um, very promising use of radiation therapy in combination with immunotherapy. Within the pipeline of, of treatments, there's the notion of combining targeted therapies such as against a KRAS G12C mutation with immunotherapy, as well as the hope that perhaps by manipulating the microbiome, we may increase the effect of immune checkpoint inhibitors. 
So the largest trial we have looking at immunotherapy used as a monotherapy in the neoadjuvant space comes from the Lung Cancer Mutation Consortium 3 trial, where patients were given two doses of atezolizumab prior to surgery. And in this study, um, 183 patients were enrolled, um, 181 were dosed, 88% of the patients enrolled went on to surgery. It was very high uh, complete resection rate and some compelling results. So I think the most important outcome of this study is the high rate of major or complete pathological response, which was the primary endpoint of the study. We saw major pathological response rate in the uh, range of about 20% of the patients and a complete pathological response occurring in approximately 8 or 9% of the patients. And although the complete response rate was not quite as high as what we've seen in other uh, studies, uh, such as uh, Checkmate A16, where the complete pathological response rate was on the order of 24%, we do see really remarkably good uh, overall and disease-free survival rates with three-year DFS at 72% and three-year OS at 80%. It's important to note that this study included both stage 2 and 3 patients as well as stage 1B patients, but all the same, these are remarkable overall survival rates for this uh, population of patients and gives us some indication that perhaps monotherapy is certainly in selected biomarker-selected patients may be a totally viable option but this remains to be tested in a proper phase three design. Next, we have uh, Dr. Altorki's study uh, looking at Dravalumab as a monotherapy versus in combination with low-dose stereotactic body radiation therapy. This is a phase two randomized study. And I think here what was quite striking about the publication was the 50% uh, major pathological response rate that was seen by the addition of just eight gray and two doses of SBRT to Dervalumab, which greatly improved the pathological response rate. And we also saw excellent complete resection rates from this study with very acceptable surgical morbidity. So the use of radiation as a sensitizing uh, agent to uh, immune checkpoint inhibition is a compelling avenue, uh, which may provide a very effective chemo-free option. It remains to be determined whether this approach will still deliver the same systemic effect as what can be achieved with the combination of chemotherapy and immunotherapy, and whether this can prove to be a viable um, alternative, again, something that would need to be tested in a uh, randomized phase three design. Of course, there's the Neostar trial where uh, we now have publication of the arm A and arm B findings where patients were either treated with three doses of nivolumab versus uh, nivolumab plus ipilimumab followed by surgery. This was a highly translational trial, but also gives us some good data on the use of these pure IO regimens in the resectable stages of non-small cell lung cancer. We saw comparable uh, major pathological response rates to what was seen in LCMC3. Clearly, the addition of ipilimumab improved the uh, major pathological response rate quite substantially. Um, it's interesting to note that a similar phase two study conducted out of uh, Johns Hopkins and Sloan Kettering was actually closed due to toxicity. Uh, this did not seem to be an issue in the Neostar trial, though the N is quite low with, with only 16 patients. And enrolled into that arm, at least from what we've seen 
in the Nature Medicine publication from this year. Now, more and more, we're uh, trying to augment the use of immune checkpoint inhibitors uh, to either anti-PDL1 or PD1 by adding additional immuno-oncology agents that may augment the response. The NeoCoast trial was a platform trial looking at four different uh, treatment arms on a backbone of a single dose of Dravalumab in a 28-day treatment cycle. And what was very interesting of this, uh, from this signal finding exercise is that the addition of either olecthumab, monolizumab, and enfetircin all had numerically higher major pathologies response rates as compared to Dervalumab alone. It's also interesting that these rates of major pathological response were found with such a short exposure to immune checkpoint inhibition. So certainly these such trials are promising, though certainly underpowered to bring these to routine clinical practice at this time. So in conclusion, I think uh, it's clear that periadjuvant chemotherapy remains a cornerstone of therapy uh, to optimize outcomes for resectable non-small cell lung cancer. We do not yet have the evidence to omit this component of therapy when feasible. Uh, we don't have any approved therapies for our chemotherapy-ineligible patients, and this is a clear unmet need that we continue to try to address, and hopefully some new Phase three trials will increase the number of options for patients in the space. We have many compelling Phase two data that suggests that a chemo-free option could be appropriate, and certainly if we improve our biomarker selection to increase the response rates, this could be a great path forward. I think there are many questions that still remain to be addressed about how the administration of chemotherapy itself can be optimized in combination with immuno-oncology. We want to minimize adverse events while optimizing quality of life as well, uh, optimizing pathological and survival outcomes. And I think a significant amount of work needs to be done in that area as well. Thank you very much for your attention. Have a great day. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.